Welcome to the Reclaim Church podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can visit our website at reclaimchurchtx.com. I have a word today that the Lord has put in my heart. And um, <clears throat> I am prepared today to share a word that might bother you. <laughs> it might irritate you. It might, might cause you to think. And, and you, may, you may question a lot of things that I'm saying. But, but my, my request to you is that as if you question the things that I'm saying, and even if you don't, is that you don't believe me blindly. That you study the word for yourself for the things that I'm going to teach today. Because, I, because what, I, what, I'm, what, I, what I see is that many believers are not true Bible readers. And they don't study the Bible. They don't understand what the scriptures teach about many things. And you see it happen, especially around the holidays. People start to release teachings that are not even in the Bible. Traditional teachings. And so today, I want to, I guess I want to confront these things that have been in my, that I've noticed in our church for a few months, and I've waited on the Lord to release, to allow me to speak on these things. Um, there were some things that I had to get right within my heart, my perspective, and my motivation. And so I, months and months of me saying, God, I just want to teach on this, and he would tell me, no, because your heart's not in the right place yet. And I've been released by the Lord to teach these things to you, and I, when we first started the church, I remember I was very, not afraid, I, wasn't, I was very cautious about stepping on toes. And I remember I would feel like I was walking on eggshells whenever I would talk about sin. And then I was like, you know what, it doesn't matter, I'm just going to preach the truth. And if people like it, or if people want to hear it, they'll come back. If they don't, they won't. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because as long as I'm preaching what God asked me to preach, that's all I need to do. But it's, what's weird, I'm going to be honest with you, okay? It's kind of flipped the other way, where now I felt like there's this spirit of religion starting to creep into our church. And I've been feeling like I'm walking on eggshells when I talk about religious things. And so today, we're going to confront those things. Not just I'm not just going to do it from here, but I want you to do it within your heart as well. So I'm going to challenge you today. Is that all right? Is that Okay. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you think it's okay. So the question that I have to you is what shapes your life? What molds your life? We all come from different cities. We come from different family dynamics. We come from different cultural differences. In fact, I just want to welcome today for the first time my friend Ruben and his wife, Crystal. They're here. They're, they just moved from, uh, from L.A. They work with my brother's ministry. He's very heavily involved with that ministry, and it's just... I seen him come through the door today, and my heart leaped. I, 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 never mind. I was going to make a joke, but I forgot. <laughs> I just wanted to welcome them. I love them deeply. Make sure you say what's up to them today. Well, we all come from different backgrounds, and, and our differences are not a bad thing, right? Because God can use our differences. God can use the fact that we talk different, that we dress different, that we look different. So those things aren't necessarily a problem. The problem become or begins to happen when we allow our, our cultural backgrounds and differences to begin to mold and shape our theology and our beliefs. When our family traditions 
become gospel to us. Amen? Okay. It's quiet. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for the encouragement. Well, my family, we've always done this, so it's not wrong because this is how my family's always been. Well, what does the Bible say about that? Well, it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't really know, but I know that my dad was like this, and his dad was like this, and his dad was like this, and so now I'm like this, and so there's nothing wrong with this. It's just who we are. So I don't really need to change because it's my family culture. And if we're not careful, the more we come to church and the more generations that come to church, if we, if we don't have true encounters with God, what begins to happen is religion becomes a family tradition. And then everybody's a Christian. Oh yeah, all my family's a Christian. We all go to church. Is this sounding familiar? Oh, I, I remember in, in, when I was in California, everybody in California is a Catholic. Like everybody, right? If I'd be witnessing or talking to people, they'd be like, oh, I go to church. What church you go to? I go to St. something down the road. Oh, when's the last time you've been there? Man, it's been like a year, <laughs> but I'm a member, <laughs> but I'm there. And I came here to Texas, and the funny thing that I begin to realize is that everybody's a Christian. <laughs> oh, do you know about, do you know if Jesus loves you? Oh, yeah, I go to this church. I'm a Christian. How long, when's the last, oh, you know, I went Christmas in 2019. But family tradition can become religion. And then we live according to this tradition and not according to the word. Well, my mom only says I had to go on Easter Sunday. And if it went on Easter Sunday, then I was right with God and and everything's okay. Well, we don't really go to church. We don't have to be a part of a church because we are the church. And we begin to believe and live out traditions instead of God's standards in our life. Because we have not been called by God to establish your family culture. I've not been called to Texas to establish my family culture. I've been called and you've been called and you've been commissioned by God to establish heavenly culture on the earth. In your house, at your church, at your job. You've been commissioned by God to establish his standards, his moral standards, and his culture on the earth today. We may all be different, but in Christ, we are one. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We aren't called to live according to our background or our culture or our family traditions. We are called to live according to the standards of God's word. So how can we do this? Well, if we want to live according to God's standards then we have to know his word. We have to know and study his word. The word, so I have three A's for you today to write down. If you're taking notes, if you're not, not, make sure you watch it again so you can remember what was said today. Three A's, and <laughs> I totally mispronounced his word earlier today, and, and Jeremy was like laughing at me, like, why are you saying it like that? And so now I'm kind of scared to read this word. And you're gonna, and I say it, you're gonna be like, that's so so easy. I know, I know. So number one, the word is 
authoritative. <laughs> authoritative. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it that way. The word is authoritative. Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen and seventeen says, "All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work." The word of God is our guide when we're following the Lord. We need to be wise Christians. We need to be smart Christians. We need to know our word. We need to be Christians that don't just believe every teaching we see on Facebook. Every teaching that we, you know, you have like a 30-second Instagram teaching, and there's Christians that build their theology off of a 30-second Instagram teaching. Because we don't know what the word says for ourselves. I was listening to a sermon the other day, and I won't say who, because I honestly, I like this, this church, and I listen to them a lot. And this guy was preaching, and, and he started saying things that were not even in the Bible. Like, completely making up a story. And I remember thinking, like, man, that's, that's not there. Right? And I'm not knocking him. Like, I'm not, I, you know, I, I, I heard the whole sermon, so I wasn't just pulling a clip out and, and dissecting it. But... But I, I heard, and the message was great. It was a good message. But it was this one section that he's like, well, you know, this, the Bible doesn't say this, but I think this is what really happened. And, and I remember thinking there like, man, it's okay to have an opinion, but you can't just say something is scripture when it's not. And, and I'm, I'm afraid that so many of us, because things sound really good, we just immediately jump into the belief system of it. And we say, well, this feels right to me. It sounds good to me. And we begin to believe everything we hear. But the word of God is the standard of truth. The word of God is the standard of the way that we live. And we could say, well, what makes the Bible the, the right book to follow? Well, I'm going to give you some practical proof today of the Bible. Okay, and you can go ahead and look this up for yourself. The Bible is 66 books, multiple authors, thousands, written in a span of thousands of years, all to tell one story. And if you dissect all these books that came together, there's prophecies fulfilled between thousands and thousands of years. It wasn't by accident. It's not that it was just chosen. But this, this Bible that we read is a holy book. The difference between what, we, what the world considers other holy books like the Quran and the Mormon Bible, the difference is, is that the Bible, the biblical authors were not just given information by an angel or by a God. The biblical authors were actually there to be eyewitnesses to what actually happened during those events. That, that, that makes the Bible stand out. In 1 John 1 verse 1 through 4 it says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have, have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be filled. They're like, look, we've seen all of this stuff. We held it in our hands. We, 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 we were there when it happened. And we're writing it down so that you can have the same experience that we had when we were walking with him. So the Bible was written by people who actually were there. Another practical proof is the manuscripts of Scripture can be seen today. 
where we get the word of God is not some random thing that people wrote down and then magically disappeared. I was doing some study on, on I believe his name is uh, Joseph Smith and the Mormon belief. And the way it started was this young man, I think, I, 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 again, I didn't study much on his age, but I think he was like 14 years old. Right? He was young. He says that these angels came down with golden tablets and said, this is what you need to write down. This is the prophecy of Christ. And he began to write these things down that he saw in the golden tablets. The problem is this, is as soon as he was done writing, conveniently, the angels that were there said, actually, we have to take the golden tablets back because you've written it all down. That is a major difference between the Christian belief and these other religions that claim to be the truth is that not only were the authors there to write it down, and it wasn't just a prophecy given to them, not only was it written by multiple authors in multiple regions over multiple years to tell one story, but the manuscripts and the scrolls that were written can be seen today. Isn't that amazing? This is the practical proof of the Bible. Not only that, but the manuscripts that we have today, they all went through major scrutiny and major tests to prove the validity of what was written and who it was written by and when it was written and where it was written and how it, how it works together in the scripture. Do you think that if the world could disprove the Bible, they would have done it already? If the Bible wasn't true, wouldn't have somebody found out already? But yet it's still the, one of the highest selling books around the world, written in multiple languages throughout, around the world, that it's still the book that tells a story that still relates to us, that, that it's a book that we can read and it comes to life within our own spirit, that it's a book that we can read and we can look back and say, well, he said this would happen, and hundreds of years later it happened, and thousands of years later well, something else he promised is still happening because the book is alive. It's, a, it's the written word of God. Amen. I need to chill. I'm... This water is going to be down. I'm going to need two waters today if I don't relax. So not only is there practical proof to the word of God, which again, you should go study this. Go look it up. <laughs> My brother, whenever I ask him a question, he just sends me a Google link. Like not a Google link to what I need, like google.com. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, man. Google it. Look it up. Not only is there practical proof, but there's spiritual stability within the scriptures. Because although it was written down by men, the words were inspired by God himself through the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter 1.21 says, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, for this reason we also thank God without ceasing because when, we, when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men but, but as it is in truth the word of God which also effectively works in you 
who believe, 1 Corinthians 2.13, these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. It was God who gave the words to the authors. It was God who inspired what facts and events to record within the scripture. And it was God who decided how his response would be to these things that were written out, and he decided for them to write his response down. It's inspired by God, and it's tested and proven by prophecy fulfilled. The, the Bible is a trustworthy, proven, spirit-filled source for our lives to guide, convict, change, mold, and ultimately reveal God to us. This is the Bible that we have today. And all these amazing things that I read, and I'm not trying to knock you because I know it's nobody here, but all these amazing things about the Bible, and it's collecting dust on our shelf. And our only form of Bible reading, and again, not anybody here, okay? This is just in general. Sometimes the only form of Bible reading is the notification that you get from the Bible app of your verse of the day. Oh, yeah, I like that one. It's like a, we treat it like a fortune cookie. <laughs> that one's good. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that one today. It's my word. If it's, an, if it's not a good one, we're like, no, it's God. No, it wasn't God. Bad timing. So not only is, is the word authoritative, the word is abiding, meaning that the word is unchanging. The word of God does not change. And what the word of God does is it teaches us the standards of God. It shows us in his word what is right and what is wrong, what is accepted by God and what is rejected by God. You know, when I've had these people in conversation that I know are living in rebellious sin towards the Lord, and they say, oh, I'm praying, and, and I know God hears my prayer, and, and, I'm, and I'm like, are you sure? Because in Scripture, when you live in rebellion against God, the Scripture teaches that he, that he turns his ear from you. But, but what we like to believe is these, these, these man-made quotes and traditions of like, oh, oh God, is, God is just going to forget my sin and I can live however I want. And it's like, whoa, whoa. You've got to read the Bible to understand his standards. You've got to understand the word of God because it teaches us what he thinks. And the truth is, is that God never changes. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change. The Old Testament God is the same as the New Testament God, is the same, is, is the same God that's living with inside of us. God does not change. And if God does not change, then his standards of life do not change. And now here we're going to get into it. He says this in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. That's convicting. I had to repent multiple times when I was putting this sermon together. There was a lot of things that I had to bring back to alignment with the Lord because he's teaching me this about his word. And the standard of morality in the world today is found in God and revealed in his word. 
His word doesn't change for you. It doesn't change for me. He doesn't change because of my preference and what I feel should be right and sounds right and makes me comfortable. That's not what he does. What he does is he, he opens us to this, this new life that we can live of holiness and righteousness. And he welcomes us in. And he says, you can live this way, but you've got to let go of everything else that you used to live for. He's, he's not just, God, God is not setting up a standard and saying, okay, everybody needs to be holy. And they're not giving us a way to become holy. When God calls you to holiness, when he calls us to holiness, he also gives us a way and a grace and power to walk in the holiness that he called us to. So we really are without excuse because all of us can say, well, it's too hard for me. Yeah, yeah, listen, newsflash, okay? It's hard for everybody sometimes because we're all people of flesh and we all still get tempted and we all still struggle. And what I'm teaching today is not legalism. It's not that if you don't do X, Y, and Z, God's not gonna love you. God's not gonna take care of you. God's not gonna save you. What I'm teaching you today is that ignorance will not save you from your sin. And most of us are doing things that we can easily overcome, but we're still doing them because we're convinced that they're okay because we don't know the word. Or most of us are still living under a burden of religion that we think we have to do these things in order to be saved, but we only think that because of family tradition and not because of the word of God. The word doesn't change for us. Culture can't change his standards. I don't care what's accepted by the world. I saw online that there's a new um, attract, like attractive, attracting person, or this new person that's a, it's called pedos, pet, is it what, anybody know what it's called? The, you're, they're attracted to minors. What's that? Minor attractive person. Pedophile. And it's funny because we look at that and we're like, oh, that's too far. But every other person, gender, or idea on that list of attraction that's not found in the word of God, God's been looking at it with disgust since it happened. But we, because we've been so, what is the word? Come on, conditioned by the culture well, how can God not accept this? Love is love. You want. And you can get upset with me all you want. You can say, well, who are you to I'm just a man that's read the Bible. So you can get upset and you can say, well, I'm not going to come back to this church. It, to me, honestly, I'd, my brother says it this way. I don't, I'd rather offend somebody into heaven than comfort them into hell. So you can be upset with me that I'm teaching this stuff and you can question it. Go read it for yourself. Because culture doesn't change God's word. Just because the president is accepting of what's, what's accepted in the world doesn't mean that God is accepting of it. Whether it's Biden or when it was Trump. So we can be on both sides. So we all could be offended today. <laughs> Just because your mom or your dad or your grandma or your grandpa accepted something doesn't mean it's accepted by God. God does not change. His standards do not change. 
It's funny because the world will, will reject every standard of God until it's convenient for them. You, you, can't, you can't judge me. The Bible says don't judge me. Oh, oh you... Do <laughs> you want to keep, let's read the whole thing. Because you may be right, maybe I can't, but God has. And honestly, I'd be more afraid of God's judgment than yours. But the world will accept godly principles when it's convenient. But as soon as it puts you in a place, a fork in the road, where you have to decide, am I really in this? Am I really putting my faith in Christ? Or have I just, or, or have I just been going to a good church? And that fork in the road comes when he begins to challenge what you think is right. When he begins to come against what you've accepted in your family. When he begins to come against how you live your life. That's when it becomes challenging. Because these things don't change the word of God. Your, whatever your family believes doesn't change his word. Worldly culture nor family tradition should be our guide or our mold. Our standards of righteousness should always be the word of God. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That he guides us with his word. We, don't, we, we can't change his word. His word is, is what changes us. His word is what changes us. It's, it's the word of God that comes through and, and begins to convict you. Begins to, he begins to teach you things. He begins to, it's, it says like, it's like a mirror that you look into and you begin to see your own self into it and, and the Bible will reveal all the things that are not right. Isn't that great? <laughs> Don't we just love that? James 1.23 says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He sees what, he, what is wrong and he goes out and he doesn't change a thing. Can I ask you this question that you can ponder within yourself? Has his word truly changed you? Like when's the last time you read the word and you're like, man, I, I need to stop doing that. Or I need to stop acting like that. Can I be open with you? Is my wife in the room? She's not. Oh, she's with her baby. I'll be open with you. And if she, if she was here, I still would have done it, okay? So don't like, I'm not scared of her. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I was putting this message together. My wife and I, like we've, we've, We've been together nine years, <laughs> almost 10. We're almost in the, the wise 10. Have we been together for nine? We've been married for nine years. We, 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 we kind of grew up together in church, and we've known each other for a long time. And I'm just going to be real. Can I be real? Gosh. Do you ever just become so, like, like cool with your spouse? Like, like, you guys are just friends? Like, okay, you guys are way better than I am. But, um, like... Just like, cool, like, we're, we just, we've been, like, I love her to death, like, I'll do anything for her, but, except I don't want to wash the dishes, like, <laughs> you know, I'll take a bullet, but I don't want to go do the dishes. But I, but I, I began to, like, just kind of talk to her, like, just like normal. And just kind of be rude sometimes. Man, I probably shouldn't say these things. 
It's okay. Be rude sometimes, you know? Like, get frustrated with my kids easily. You know, just just go. Please, guys, just go. Like, come on. And you, I begin to do these things, right? And, you know, you excuse it. And it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just frustrated right now. Or I'm just tired. Or, or I'm hungry. Or I need more food than rice and turkey. You know what I mean? Like, but I, I've been breaking my diet. I'm sorry, Rolando. <laughs> and I'm putting this sermon together. And I'm writing it down. And I go to that point. Has the word of God changed you? And I'm like, oh, that's good. And then I felt the spirit say, has it changed you? And I begin to think of all the bad things I used to do. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, it's changed me. God, yeah, I'm doing real good. And he's like, you're rude to your wife. And I was like, did she tell you something? (laughs) She's been praying. (laughs) And it's funny because a couple of days went by and I felt that the spirit just like nudging at me. I'm like, dang, Ah, I don't want to say anything because I've been good, I've been good. So I went to the other night. I'm like, babe, I just need to apologize. Like, I just been, I've been treating you bad. And I was putting my sermon together, and I got convicted by the Lord. And so I need to apologize to you. And if I'm rude to you, I'm sorry, and I don't want to be that way. She, and she does what she does. She says, hey, it's cool. Because she forgives easily. But has the word changed you? Has it changed the things that you watch? Has it changed the music that you listen to? Has it changed the way you talk to your children or your wife or your your husband? Has it changed the way you honor one another within the church? Has it changed the way you look at authority? Has it changed the way you look at the the world today? Has Has it changed your habits, your daily routines? Has the word of God changed you? Has it changed your mindsets and your perspectives and, and your cultural ideas? Has it changed you in any way that's that's drastic enough for somebody to say, man, you're different? Have you laid down and surrendered your old mindsets and said, God, I don't want to think like I used to think anymore. I don't want to agree. I don't want to be in agreement with the world today. I was so shocked. And again, I'm stepping on toes today. And if it's your last time here today, we love you and we hope you come back. I was shocked when when this abortion bill passed in Texas, how many believers were upset? I was shocked. How many, I put a post up like celebrating that we're no longer killing these babies. And Christians were messaging me. How could you celebrate this? Why would you think this is good? We've become so conditioned by the world that they've convinced us that it's okay to kill a baby. This is what I'm talking about when I'm saying you lay down your ideologies. How conditioned have we become by the world that everything, we, we, just, we just absorb it all. And then we become offended with the pastor who preaches the truth. When's the last time you had to lay down a mindset before the Lord? I'm tired of thinking this way, God. I'm surrendering this to you. When's the last time you had to put these things down? Some of us, the reason you're so lukewarm is because you are, you're, you've been conditioned by the world and you're trying to believe the scripture. Why am I still like this? Why am I going through these cycles? Because you're still holding on to your belief system. 
You're still holding on to what you feel is right. Well, how can God do this? Isn't he? Who are, who are you to question God? We must surrender these mindsets and say, God, I'm laying down the way that I used to think, and I'm going to embrace your kingdom mindset. I'm no longer going to come in with a judgmental heart and a cynical mind, but I'm going to say, okay, God, how can I be more like you? Now, I'm not saying we become hated, hateful people that we just spew out hate, hateful words. I'm not saying any of that stuff. I'm talking about the way that you believe, what you establish in your own house. The word of God will wrestle with your flesh. He'll wrestle with your mindsets. And it's your choice who wins. This is how we grow in Christ as we surrender our mind. That we say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to think this way anymore. I'm not going to live this way anymore. God, I'm surrendering this to you. I'm laying it at your feet. So the word is abiding. I forgot my own point. And lastly, the word is aligning. It aligns our hearts and minds and our spirit with his truth and with his will. So the word is aligning. The, re the word reveals the truth of our salvation. It opens our eyes to our sinful state and shows us the way, the, the, the necessity of repentance in our lives. This is what the word of God does. It shows us how badly we need Christ. It doesn't just show us how badly we need Christ. It begins to show us when we receive him, who we become in Christ. That I'm a new creation. That I'm loved. That I'm given mercy. That he sees me. And he saved me. And he forgives me. Ephesians 2 verse 4, 4 through 10 says, But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So it reveals these, this truth to us and, and not only does it do that as believers but it guides and it protects us. Can I tell you something about the word of God? That it sets healthy boundaries not heavy burdens. The word of God will set healthy boundaries, not heavy burdens. You have these two mindsets of you have legalism and then you have liberalism. Liberalism meaning like just go and live however you want. Grace will cover you. Both of these extremes are dangerous for the believer because legalism will teach you that you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you can't go there, and you, you can't eat that, and you, you can't say that, and you can't watch that, you can't listen to that, because if you do all those things and you're no longer a believer, it's like the old Pharisees that would teach these people, you've got to get circumcised, you've got to follow all these commandments, you can't, you can't heal somebody on the Sabbath day, you, you, you can't do any good works on the holy day, you have to, you have to honor us in a certain way, you got to honor all, they begin to create all these traditions of legalism, 
And we have modern-day Pharisees who do the same thing to believers today. You can't, you can't celebrate that holiday because, because it's devil worship. You can't celebrate Christmas because actually Jesus was, wasn't born in December. So if you celebrate Christmas, you're actually secretly a pagan. You, you, can't, you, can't, you can't go to that concert because but you don't know, but there's like demons are secretly trying to sneak into your heart. And it's now you got to be wise with your choices. That you can't do something because, because of what? I remember when I was a kid, I had these cards. I used to play Pokemon when I was a kid. I know, I was such a nerd. I, I played Pokemon and I watched Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I was a loser. I didn't have any friends. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I had my Pokemon cards. And I remember in the church, I was, I was a kid. I was in the church and, and we'd have like battles in the kids' classroom, you know, like trading cards. And, and some, somebody was like, you know that those cards are demonic and they have demons on them? And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like scared out of my mind. And, and my dad was like, he's the pastor, and he's like, son, like, we're not going like, to say anything, but it's okay. And I played with him for years, and I never got demon-possessed. I'm serious. Or, you, you know, don't watch Harry Potter, because if you watch Harry Potter, you're, gonna, you're, you're, you're becoming a witch, and you don't even know it. Now, listen, I'm not coming against your own personal convictions. If you have a personal conviction about these things, that is your personal conviction. Religion comes when people start to put their own personal convictions onto other believers. They start to put these heavy weights on people that you can't do this because we don't do this. Religious. Colossians 2, verse 8, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 16 through 23. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Verse 16. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as though, excuse me, why as though living in the world do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which will perish with the using, according to the, mam- the, the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and in self-imposed religion, False humility and and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. They were teaching these believers, you cannot do X, Y, and Z. Because if you do, you're no longer a believer. And I've seen it happen in our world today. 
Now again, if you have a personal conviction of things, that is your conviction. If you don't want your kids to watch Harry Potter, don't let them. There are shows I don't let my kids watch, but I'm not saying these shows are demonic. I'm not saying all oh, these shows are of the devil. And I'm not saying, oh, your kids watch them. Well, you better watch out. Your son might be possessed and you don't know it. Because that's religion. I'm not putting my own convictions on you. Now listen, I'm a Christian. I don't drink alcohol. I don't drink. Now the Bible clearly says don't get drunk. But it doesn't say anything about drinking alcohol. And so I would never put the weight and burden of my conviction of alcohol on you. Now, you could ask me why I don't, and maybe I can help you. But I don't, but our standard of leadership in the church is different than a religious way. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is it making sense to anybody? I'm trying to set free mindsets today, honestly. Galatians 5.1 says, The yoke was the weight of bondage or religious tradition. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. We become free of all our sins, but then we become bound by religious traditions. Now, I said I was probably going to bother you a little bit today. But again, go to the scriptures. Go to the scriptures. I had somebody ask me about Halloween. And is it okay to, you know, do whatever, you know, dress up or get candy or whatever? And again, if this is your own conviction, I'm not, gonna, I'm not knocking you for it. But the question lies this. If, does your conviction lie in family tradition? Or did you find your conviction through the word of God? Because if we're not careful, we could take tradition and make it as a conviction, but it was never found in the word. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? And I asked them, well, why, why do you think it's wrong? And they said, well, so-and-so said that Christians worship the devil on Halloween. I said, where do you? Like, okay, so-and-so said that, but what does the Bible say about this? Well, the, 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 the priest of Satan said he's happy when Christians go out on Halloween because then they're worshiping. And I thought, I never take my theology from the priest of Satan. I mean... It's this religious mindset. But on the, on the flip side, you have a liberal mindset where I can do whatever I want and I have the grace of God. This is why we have to become people of the word because people that are not of the word are easily convinced by either religious tradition and the weight and the yoke of tradition or of religion or they're easily convinced that I can do whatever I want to do and I'm still going to be right with God. This is why the word of God is so valuable. Again, build your convictions off his word. This, I, we don't have this weight anymore, guys. We don't have the weight of religion anymore. Jesus said, come to me, all who, are la all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He's talking to these people who were weighed down by religion from the Pharisees. He said, come to me. They've been teaching you this weight of religion that has weighed you down. Come to me because I'm going to give you something simple. I'm going to give you a light. My burden is light. And my yoke is easy. We must surrender to the word of God. 
And I could feel in the room, I could feel that uncomfortable, like bothered and offended. Let it be. We have to be people who know the word of God, who don't put our own religious traditions on other believers and say, well, I'm doing this, so you need to do this. Well, why are you doing that in the first place? Well, because my mom did it and my grandma did it and their grandma, okay, what about, your, what about the word? What does the Bible say about these things? What does God say about these things? Well, that's what I'm teaching today. This is why we need to know the word. That we release those things. And when we begin to release those things, the Bible begins to transform our lives. Begins to transform us. In my life, there have been religious traditions that I had to let go of. There's been a liberal mindset that I had to let go of from the word of God. It's making sense to you this morning. And when we're set free, this is what the scripture says about freedom. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. We are weighed down by religion and by sinful lifestyles. Not because we haven't been delivered enough like we talked about the other week. Not because we're not in the right church. Mostly because we don't know the word. If we would be people of the word, we would know what true freedom looks like. Amen? Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. Thanks for tuning in to the Reclaim Church Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to stay up to date with the church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX.